With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Popo, it was inevitable that the streak would end for me after one week, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I actually disagree with you, to be completely honest. I think that that was a tough situation to be in. I don't think anyone expected Josh Dobbs to ball out the way he did in that first half and for the Giants to capitulate. But I think as we saw by the end of the game, the Giants were 100% the better team in that scenario. It was just such a capitulation at the start that there was no chance that you're going to win it from that moment onwards. Nonetheless, I think you are uh, playing yourself down a little bit now, which is unusual for you, uh, (laughs) considering that uh, the Miami Dolphins came through the victory, even though it was quite shaky at the end. The Edrosh Acker won one more time as well, so that means you're 2-0 unbeaten with that. And I think that, yes, the Drew Locks obviously is the stuff that we laugh about the most, but considering I'm 0-2, I'm ready to just kind of let them go, to be honest with you. I don't really care about the Drew Locks But here we go, here we go. Well, look, I mean, that's so clever of you. You, What you've done there is genius, is that you've chucked a whole load of praise and glass half full kind of propo stuff at me. So I can't, I cannot possibly, with any kind of integrity, have a pop at you for losing your Drew Lock within 24 seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Of, of the game, which is basically what happened. You could always tell, gang, how uh, week is going. Propo and I, based on looking back the next morning at the WhatsApp messages, Propo sending me a message when I'm live on air, which you should know, of course, given it's the station that you work for, live on air, um, always concentrating on edge rush and our degenerate side as opposed to <laughs> anything else that's going on on the slate. Uh, basically say you're going to lose this bet before halftime. And then me sending you a message uh, about half an hour after I'd come off air, which simply said, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you went full Geno Smith. I went, oh God. <laughs> and, uh, he, with that far less call than Geno Smith, of course. Um, what I was thinking with the with the Giants, my, my edge rush, uh, my uh, Drew Lock defeat was, this is what it's like. And I'm sure listeners out there could sympathize. The comeback was on. I was thinking, okay, well, maybe there's time. If they do, if they if they hold them to three points, and when they got to the stage, and the commentator goes, oh, "Okay, so looking at the maths here, they're going to go for two. and I was thinking, "Oh no, oh, this is going to go, this is going to go horrible." Then they get the flag, so they have to go for the extra point, not for two. And I was thinking, "Okay, this this could be back on." And then the maths, the cog slowly whirring in my head, thinking. Oh God! You know what's going to happen here? They're going to win by three. Then, <laughs> of course, that is what happened. I was praying for overtime, but no dice there. So you're right. We had generally a good week, right? What did we mm. work out? It was seven and four. Seven Eight. and four. Yeah. So I went hmm. two and one with the prop bets two, again this amazing week. Amazing on the prop bets. So you're six and one now for prop six bets. and one. Yeah, Proppo, on the prop super. bets this season, um, which is going well. Obviously, the Edge Jacker came in. Mm-hmm. So props to you on that one as well. Um, unfortunately, the first Peterman parlay. 
of the podcast didn't quite come in and that is a <laughs> double blow for me because it was the Cincinnati Bengals that let us down. We were right on the Bills, very right on the Bills, right on the Chiefs as well for them to cover that spread. But the Cincinnati Bengals couldn't get it done. And despite yeah. the fact that Baltimore Ravens dominated that game, mm. I still think the Bengals were very close to be able to cover that spread. All they needed to do was not have Joe Burrow throw potentially the worst pass of his Bengals career in the red zone early in that second half. And I think they probably would have gone on to win the game and cover that spread or at least get a push, which would have won us the bet. Sadly, it wasn't to be, I am, yes, very much ruining my Cincinnati Bengals right now. Joe Burrow's injury from being what I thought was yeah, another Super Bowl run. How you feeling? A big old week for the Bengals, right? Because 0-2, you can do it. 0-3, uh, not so sure. Phoebe Schechter, friend of the show, all pro. Fan fave, Phoebe Schechter, on the show this week. If you haven't checked it out already, it's three preview, one of them. FFS in the vault as well. Uh, Phoebes was pretty upbeat on uh, on the Bengals, right? Like just Joe Burrow is going to be fine. You're going to be you're going to be fine. I think everybody needs to cool their jets just a little bit. That's how, how we're reading. What about you though? On the inside, as a as a Bengals diehard, a little bit, a little bit worried. Are you okay with it all? Um, it completely and utterly uh, is defined by how bad Joe Burrow's injury is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am currently reading every report every single piece of information I can find down to the point that I've managed to find a collection of information about Joe Burrow's dad saying that he heals quickly. And that's what I'm riding for right now. So just basically <laughs> dad being like, don't worry, he's a tough guy. He'll heal quickly. And that's kind of what I'm living off at this moment in time. I mean, that is deep sides rolling there from, from Joe Burrow's dad, uh, Mr. Burrow senior. Well, look, I mean, I, I get it. I get that. Owen three is, it, particularly in that division, the way that's shaping out now could be and divisional losses as well, are painful as I'm Mike. So, uh, so rightly pointed out on the Monday show, I think you're, I think you're going to be fine. Yeah. I think people are saying, um, people are starting to put into the ether, the idea that they just put Joe Burrow on IR and just see if they can give him this midpoint of the season to mm. try and get healthy up until our bye week, because we have, the Rams, the Titans, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and then we have the bye week, which is realistically four games which you think could be winnable. I don't yeah. think they are winnable. I don't really like that idea because that could easily, we could easily end up three and three from that, which I think in this division in the AFC still leaves you with a lot to do when yeah. you've still got off the back of the bye week, the 49ers and then the Bills. I think mm. it's a little bit um, underplaying the extent to which it's going to be tough to win with Jake Browning at quarterback and and the poor offensive line and a weaker defense than we seemingly had in years gone by. I said when we went into this season that the th- reasons why I think the Cincinnati Bengals will have another Super Bowl run this season is because of three things, which is Joe Burrow, Lou Anarumo, and the three wide receivers slash this receiving core slash the pieces that this Bengals team has on offense. And I think immediately if you take one away from that trifecta, then the Mm. Bengals fall immediately to a mid-level team because of how important those three components are. So if we lose Joe Burrow, he is this offense realistically. We've seen how much he struggled when he hasn't been as mobile because we're seeing the backlash of the injury that he had in preseason. The fact that he can't scramble massively hinders this offense. And it is a basic offense. We've discussed this so many times on this show now. Long-time listeners will know that I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Zach Taylor, and this always happens early <laughs> on in the season. A gross understatement for Propo there. Not exactly the biggest fan of Zach. The, the Zach Taylor hate club. 
slander and shit. It's not a hate club. So what yeah, I've, I've accepted, it's, it's not a yeah. hate club. It's not like you and Kenny Pickett. It's different. <laughs> it's it's basically it's not like me and Mayock, is it? Let's yeah, it's not like you and Mayock exactly. It's basically that Zach Taylor is an incredible culture guy. What he's managed to do is create a winning culture at Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. Everyone buys into what he says. Everyone listens to him. I just think that from an offensive standpoint, our play calling is a little bit basic. I just think that our run game is a little bit basic. We've seen that. Although Joe Mixon's actually had a good start to the year, and you've even had Jamar Chase coming out. Um, following the game against the Ravens last week and saying that they need to get more creative with the way they're utilising him. They need to try and open up different ways that they can get him deep shots. So I think that is an issue, but that's never really an issue when you have Burrow, who when he escapes the pocket, he can make a play. And when you have the brilliance of Chase, the brilliance of Higgins being able to get separation and go up and get contested catches. So once you take Burrow away, I really do not have any faith in the Cincinnati Bengals team, even if you are going up against the likes of the LA Rams, the Tennessee Titans and the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Like I could see us easily going two and two in that period. And I just don't think that is going to be good enough when you're in an AFC, which is ultimately very competitive. Well, the the Rams are better than we figured they would be. The the Seahawks had obviously an aberration week one, but... They've started to show they're going to get a lot of mojo from the manner of that week two win, I think, is what I will never tire of watching Pete Carroll on the sidelines, winning or losing. (laughs) Pete Carroll is we were talking with Ben, our favorite coaching tag team in the NFL right now. This is on the FFS show in the vault is Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio because they are, as we described, the Expendables, just old school. We think we could be in 1987 if you're just watching the screen. Carol's the same. He's just like this. I think Pete Carroll might be coaching into his 90s. I think he might. I'm, I genuinely think he might. Do you think that, like, in fast forward, say, 2035, we're still going to have Bill Belichick at the Patriots, Mike Tomlin at the Steelers, Pete Carroll at the Seahawks. Do you think that it's just they're just okay. going to coach forever? Let's, let's have a look. So, OK, so 2035. So what is that? 12, we're calling it 12 years time. Quick right. maths, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely. You know, people, when they listen to other gambling shows, I bet you've done this, Propo. Don't listen to any of the show. Just go straight to the best picks bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. This is going to accelerate lots of people doing that right now. Yeah. Let's go down this rabbit hole. Okay. So 2035. Okay. Definitely Tomlin. Yeah. Harbour? No. I think Harbour maybe goes to college. I th- I think Harbour was out. Harbaugh's I think out. I think Rivera is done, but Del Rio is an late 70s coordinator somewhere still just wearing 100%. the leather trench coat and shades uh after a brief stint in prison <laughs> and, uh, hey then it, no no a suspended sentence yeah. <laughs> out of the league out of the um, but I, I think um variable variable 100 i think that when you've got the two that i think who are relatively recent who i think will still be there in 2035 just because i think that they're mantra and their auras match their franchises so well is Mike Vrabel and Dan Campbell. I can't see those two yes. leaving yeah. their positions for a long period of time. Within Campbell's case, uh, and I don't want to I don't want to f- throw fuel onto the patronizing he's not head coach material because I love Dan Campbell and uh, the Lions went all the way this year. My god, that would be incredible. But I kind of feel Campbell might also be at that point in the Del Rio's journey, right? Back to happy as a coordinator, happy as an as a grizzled, no-nonsense coordinator, that the head coach, there's a point in 2035, there's a 17-year-old head coach who is who is a real 
X's and O's offensive zeitgeist whiz juxtaposed with 68-year-old Dan Campbell as his defensive coordinator. Oh, what a what a tag team that would be. I love it. But Belichick, let's get back to the original question. Belichick and Carroll, more likely to be coaching the NFL in 2035. Oh, I think, I think it's, it's, it's got to Carol. be Carroll. It's got to be. Belichick's going to be done relatively soon. I yeah. don't think he can handle this new age of human beings, really. <laughs> I just don't think he can handle... I reckon he's definitely the person who says like the new generations are soft. Belichick's definitely oh. just sitting there being like, oh, they're all just too soft. I can't believe they and signed that- Juju Smith-Schuster. Does Bill Belichick know what TikTok is? I think this is the key to it. I think from the X's and O's... It, someone was talking about this the other day with in relation to McVeigh, right? That his renewed vigor this season, the Rams' energy, is because well, actually, I, I, Mike and I kind of got into it on Monday's show. He's he's there's a challenge there, right? He's like, okay, this is this has got me now. I'm 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 back in I'm back in the game again. I'm I'm this is something next. I got to try and do pushing myself. Belichick's definitely about that, and this whole position is defense we've talked about on this show. That you know, he loves the challenge of okay, the NFL has changed and the offenses have changed. How do I combat that? All of that side, I think he could do forever. I mean, even what what's the the best play? Well, the best play of the season so far you've talked about, which is best moment of the season, is Geno Smith, Aaron Donald. Oh god! Mm. But the best play of the season, I would argue so far, is the Patriots block field goal. Just genius, genius, and that is Belichick yeah. in a snapshot, special teams timing cutting edge everyone's going to copy him gene like i said i think he loves the continued innovation but you're right what is going to push him out of the league is a combination of players on players on tiktok and the inanity of media questioning which he's been so good at stonewalling with disdain for so many years he's finally gonna crack he's finally he'll get his 15 super bowl and will be uh he'll, he'll probably go mid super bowl press conference just... Yeah, I think you'll just be done with it. I like the idea that they're going to make, like they're going to replace the Pro Bowl for the 16th time in 2032 and they're going to replace it with Bill Belichick coaching versus AI coaching and see who wins. <laughs> A bit like uh, how I've done on this show this season, which has replaced my picks with Jack. Jack. Yeah, yeah, what did exactly. you call me? Nat GPT. Yeah, Nat GPT, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to do that. I've got to, we've got to go head to head against. I don't want to go head to head with Jack and Nat GPT. Oh. It's going to be like, what did Mike you always used to go up against? And he'd oh, the super every com- week. The super the computer. Super computer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder if supercomputer is still going. Uh, okay, we better get that to business, Propo. Um, enough of this Enough of this nonsense. Right, so we're going to look at two games each uh, that we like, uh, and within that probably, or uh, maybe not necessarily, but the Drew Locks of the week will come out. Those are our favourite picks of the week for those of you new to the show. And if you are new to the show, shout out to you. Speaking of shout outs, we should do a shout out to our friends Fitstairs as well. How remiss of us, Propo. I mean, their name is above the door now. We are proudly sponsored by Fitstairs. They're the only bookmaker that will double your payout if your winning first touchdown bet goes on to score again in the game. So look for a a skill position player, probably. I mean, hey, maybe it could be a defensive player. You never know. But probably it's going to be a receiver or running back tight end that you think is going to double down and score two touchdowns. And Fitstairs will double down as well. The maximum payout, extra payout, is £500. Terms apply, 21 plus. Be gamble aware. If you want to go to Fitstairs, Propo's favourite bookmaker of all time, head on over to the show notes, links 
offers all the good stuff in there. But as always, gamble responsibly. Right. So we're going to have our Drew Locks of the week, our favorite picks of the week. Our Moneyline Acker, as Propo said, we're on fire. Two out of two on that so far. Three teams straight up. We've got the Peterman Parlay. Three teams, point spread picks. And of course, last but by now is least Propo's prop bets of the week. So I'll start. Do you mind if I start? No, I don't mind. You start. You go. You go. You're a gentleman and a scholar proper. I want to start with the Houston-Jacksonville game, which surprises me that I am interested in this game. If you'd asked me that a couple of weeks ago, I'm really interested in this game for a couple of reasons. Firstly, CJ Stroud. Hmm. Now, CJ Stroud caught my eye when we were doing the radio show on Sunday because he had a he had big numbers and big numbers can be deceptive sometimes 387 i want to say the high 300s yardage wise i could see on red zone because he kept cropping up hitting completions hitting shots here's a touchdown to Nico collins okay cj stroud's not crashing and burning here i went back and looked at him I'm, I'm really getting into uh with these with these rookie quarterbacks or quarterbacks i'm not sure about like well zach wilson uh and fields is maybe a good example there as well of quarterbacks i just want to look i just want to look at that every throw from this game copy that you find on gazillion versions of it on youtube right looked at all of cj stroud's passes from that game two things jumped out to me firstly that offensive line is, is terrible mm-hmm. and the colts front conversely dominated legit yeah Do- i mean dominated and because of that particularly because of that he looks he looks okay, CJ Stroud. Like he looks legit propo. He was making passes under I mean, he was getting terrorized in that game. And sure, there were the inevitable, what the hell is he doing there? He's a rookie. He looks good. I think CJ Stroud might be legit. He's fourth in passing yard leaders this season so far. Is fourth. He? Yeah. The Texans. But- yeah, Crazy. behind two at Kirk and Stafford, and then yeah. goes CJ Stroud, which is incredible. And I know that the Colts would have played that shell defense that everyone talks about when obviously you take a big lead. But at the same time, you're still going to make your completions. We've seen many a rookie quarterback fall behind and then try and force the issue, throw interceptions, look even worse. Yeah. He looks composed. He looks like yeah. he understands what he's doing in the NFL and he doesn't look like he's rattled at all under any situation. I think he knows that not everything's going to come together this season, but he's still just making the most of every situation he finds himself in. And if you can go up against a divisional rival and fall behind significantly and not have an ideal start, but still be able to put together a game like that, I think that's a great demonstration of character ultimately. And also a great demonstration of ability. If you can go on and throw 300 plus yards. A lot of this has to be credited to the Texans' new offensive coordinator, Bobby Slovic, who came from the 49ers, of course, and is essentially West Coast, what are we calling it now, 3.0? I don't know. But that's the kind of foundation of his mindset. And quite a lot of the game that I saw uh, against the Colts, Stroud's game, the offensive game against the Colts, was that. It was just this rhythmic, short, pacey passing but he was hitting them. He's hitting receivers in their stride. He, he gets it. He understands it. It's a really good fit there. And here's a really, he's another zeitgeisty offensive mind. What is he? 35, part of that Shanahan young gun crew. It's a good patronage, like good foundational next gen offensive. Uh, smart. Yeah. I really, I really I like, like, I really like watching or I'm excited to watch this Texas team develop. This it's it's not like he has 
he's surrounded by studs either. It's not like he's surrounded by playmakers who are gaining separation. Him and Nico yeah. Collins, he's making a serious player out of Nico Collins. That seems to yeah. be his guy who yeah. hasn't really had any success in the league prior to this. He's bringing Robert Woods's career back to life. And you have to say, especially considering their run game doesn't seem to be get going, which I think everyone thought they were going to rely on with Damon Pierce and what a strong rookie year he had. The fact that CJ Stroud is being able to do anything on this offense is seriously impressive. Now I'm I'm mm. completely with you, and I'm really like happy that you brought this up. You know, you make a great point, Propo. The ground game is nowhere, and that is should be a fundamental of this this style of offense, right? So I think this is a theme that I want to get into a lot, not just today, but generally that because we're living in this, what have you done for me lately world and how quickly everybody is to write up Joe at Joe Allen. Josh Allen is, uh, is he's too many, too many interceptions for them ever to be. It's just bonkers. And at the same time, I think there is, we're seeing regression logically based on the numbers with a team like the Vikings. We're seeing a regression from a team like the giants because they clearly overperformed last season. And looking at that in microcosm, this ground game can't keep running at 40 yards a game a clip. It's got to start. It's got to start. It's not going to be the worst. Well, maybe it will be the worst ground game in the history of the NFL. They get that going as well. And maybe that will be against the Jags. So bringing it back to this game and what I like uh, in this game is the total and over going over 44, because clearly the Texans have mm, one or two issues defensively. And we know that there is a lot to like about this Jags offense, which hasn't yet found its full rhythm, but is ready to roll. I think I, they're going to lay on points against the Texans, but I think given the Jags pass rush, very different to the Colts, it's not really likely to do a huge amount against uh, a well, nearly to the same degree. I think Stroud growing in confidence will get things going. I can see the ground game to my point stepping up just a little bit and even though and you are the unders king of plumpton proper we know this the under cashed in in both meetings last season the total has gone under in seven of the past 10 meetings in this series because it's very important to know what happened in the 2019 yeah. game between these two even though the stats tell me the sharps tell me that i'm going propo for the over 44 I do actually really like that. The only fear you have is I thought the Jags defense was really impressive against the Chiefs last week, but we are now struggling to understand whether that's because the Chiefs don't have enough playmakers and Travis Kelsey was only seemingly about 25, 30%. Mm. Last week, I was impressed by the Jags defensive performance though. I don't think offensively they look great, but I think this Chiefs defense is for real. That's another conversation for another time. Mm. I thought they were incredible, especially with Chris Jones returning. Mm. And my biggest misread of the first week was by far the Baltimore Ravens-Houston Texans game because I thought that that essentially meant the Texans defense was for real, which I was completely wrong about. They can't stop the run to save their lives, which is a great recipe for Travis Etienne in this game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe uh, Ben Isaac's favorite player, Tank Bigsby, might even get a run around in this oh, game Ben's as well. Over, over Tank now. Ben didn't pick him in our FFS. Has he uh, moved on to Texans way. rookie Tank Dell? Has he just gone he to did, Tank? He, he wanted, he genuinely wanted Tank <laughs> Dell in the team. It's just the only people called Tank. We've got to base our strategy on something a little bit more sophisticated than players <laughs> whose names you like. Although, Propo, seeing as you love uh, strangely named or differently named tight ends in the league, I mean, maybe you'd concur with, with hey, our strategy's working. We came second in the $5 league. We're on $50 for, ch for our charity of the show, Shelter. It's not quite winning, though, is it? What are you talking about? I won. We won. 
Wait a minute. Okay. Oh, I see. You don't... Oh, look at this. Look at this. Uh, that money's going into charity pot propo. You better cough that up. Oh, it's already gone on the under last week. That was lost, <laughs> yeah. in, the first, that was lost yeah. in the first half last week. Gambled it away. But, yeah, that's Fitzstairs money now, Matt. Oh, there you go. That's got to, <laughs> it's got to Fitzstairs. We'll have to talk to the Fitzstairs guys. All right. So that is where I'm heading first. I'll, I'll come back. Have a, I'm on the fence about my Drew Lock, so I'll, I'll come back to that because it's either that or the other game I want to concentrate on. What's your first game of the week? So surprisingly, obviously, I've been... Um, renowned for my underplays over the past couple of seasons but I'm also going to go towards an over for my first pick of the week and that's going to be in the Detroit Atlanta game and it's something that Phoebe Schechter touched on in the brilliant preview show which is in the vault now and it's how impressive Jared Goff's looked he's led the NFL in rating at 146 on throws 10 or more yards downfield connecting on 13 of 19 for 298 yards and two touchdowns he doesn't just look good he looks exceptional and that MVP, f- MVP. Yeah, Jared yeah. Goff? We're not doing the MVP. I heard that with Phoebe as well. We're not doing MVP chat, right? But yeah. Is he, and but I, is he? Is he on the list? Is he? On I the don't list? think he's on the list. And okay. do you know? I also don't see. The other thing is, is I. Do you know who my prediction of MVP is inevitably going to be? Mahomes. Yeah. It'll because because he will hit. He will break the record for how many different receivers. That's what I'm saying. The past two, I guarantee yeah. that will happen. It's got to be Patrick Mahomes because he's going to be throwing to everyone. He's going to throw to Carlson in week nine against the Jets, probably. <laughs> I would love to see yeah, that. at this what? point, because he literally seems to find everyone and I think he deserves it. Whereas with Jared Goff, what you've got is an incredibly strong offensive line. Mm. You've got a top 10 wide receiver in St. Brown and Josh Reynolds has had a great start as well. Yeah, I know. A little, little bit concerned about Jamar Gibbs. Was not impressed with him last oh, week. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not concerned really? about him. Yeah, okay, he's not Bijan, but I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I Why think, are you worried about him? I, I just don't think he's necessarily got going on the ground as much as I thought he would. And I thought he would be a bigger piece in the receiving game early doors, especially yeah. when the NFL teams didn't have as much tape on him. And I think if you look at the way mm. this offensive line has played with David Montgomery, I just think it's a little bit surprising that David Montgomery is seemingly outplaying him at this moment in time. Nonetheless, that's still a great two-headed monster for the Detroit Lions. And I think offensively, they look exceptional. Yes, I, I do think... think he'll, I think he'll grow, you know, just quickly come back yeah. on that. I you're right, but I think a little bit like the eye test we apply to quarterbacks, and as we were just saying about CJ Stroud, when you're, yeah, he's going to be fine, or I, like Zach Wilson, I know he's under all kinds of fire, but he's just a good and pertinent example. As the weeks went by, at no point did you think, no, yeah, he's, he's going to be okay. And no, with CJ Stroud, you think, yeah, okay, he, he looks legit, right? Uh, and in by the same token, okay, he's not Bijan Robinson exploding day one on the scene. Looks like he's been in the league for four years, but I think that he will develop. The, whilst you're right, defenses will work out more about him. I think that I've seen enough there to think, okay, he's going to continue. They'll understand it better by week seven or eight. I think he could be a key part if they if they keep this mojo rolling as well. That I think will be key. But yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about that. I think he'll be fine. No, I'm not necessarily too worried. I just think that it's been a, maybe a slower start than I expected initially yeah. going into the season. But going back to this game, yeah, I think Atlanta have looked good on defense, but they've gone up against a rookie quarterback with minimal weapons in week one with Bryce Young and an incredibly inexperienced Green Bay offense who still managed to put up significant points. And I thought they were completely shown up by Matt LaFleur and the creativity that he has in both the run game and the passing game. 
And on the other side of the ball, I think the Falcons can have a lot of success with their offensive line. Despite Aiden Hutchinson, aside from it, him, the Lions generated minimal pressure on Geno Smith last week. And that is a major concern considering that Seattle had two backup tackles playing and an offensive line that everyone thought they were going to tear through. Mm. I feel like this sets up perfectly for this elite Falcons run game. You mentioned it there. I mean, Bijan Robinson, he is the human highlight reel at this moment in time. If you haven't gone and watched his highlights from last week, go and do it because it's an absolute joy to watch. He's one of those rare things in sport where it's just, you know, it's like pure magic. You know, when like you used to watch Messi in the sort of the early days of Barcelona in the late noughties, where he'd just be running through teams. He'd seemingly have a brilliant goal every week. It does feel like Bijan Robinson's that right now in the NFL, just because when he gets any, any inkling of space, anything around him, he just some just ducks, dives, does everything. It is brilliant to watch. And he's an absolute delight. And, Algier, on the other hand, is also a brilliant downhill runner. So that behind a really good offensive line going up against a team that seemingly can't stop the run and a defense that hasn't really come to fruition so far this season. I'm not necessarily convinced by De- uh, Ridder, especially in the red zone. Mm-hmm. As you said, I still think there's time will tell with him, but I think that he looks like he panics a little bit if he doesn't get his first read, which I think is a bit concern in the NFL. But I don't think that really matters when you're going up against this defense. You have this offensive line, and you have the playmakers around him London, Robinson, Algier. I think they can all have big games. Mm-hmm. Has anyone seen Carl Pitts? No, I don't know what happens. I drafted him both years in fantasy and he's done absolutely nothing for me. But then there's all those clips on Twitter of him getting separation and looking really good. So maybe it's just a case of free Carl Pitts. Nonetheless, I think that over 46 (laughs) is a good number in this game because I think people are still looking at that Thursday night game for the Lions against the Chiefs and the fact that that went under despite that everyone thought that it was going to be points galore. But I think that tells Mm. more about the Chiefs at this moment in time and how good the Chiefs' defence is. Mm. I think the Lions are an over-team, similar to what I said about the Vikings last week, and I like over 46 in this game. Love it. Compelling argument, Propo. Uh, And yeah, one, seeing as it's the theme of this show, I'm with you on Desmond Ritter. I don't know, man. Mm, I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he is that one you're watching. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Mm, we got two more games we're going to pick. We're also going to do our Drew Locks. Or yeah. I, I want to talk to you about this one quickly, Nat. I'm yeah. going to go straight through. It's All like right. a, yeah, it's, let's call it a snake draft. Let's call it a snake draft of picks. Nice. Snake picks. Snake picks. Okay. First of all, I can ask you this question. When do you think was the last time the Patriots were 0 and 2? The last time the Patriots were 0 2? Yeah. Was it the. Was it last season? <laughs> no. <laughs> was it. Was it the. Um, was it the Seattle? Was it the Malcolm Butler Super Bowl year? 2001. What? Wow. No way. Yeah. And this one is a slightly more ridiculous stat, but it just still blows my mind. It's also the first time that New England has owned two after opening up with both games at home since 1975. Oh my God. That is insane. Oh, they haven't been owned two since 2001. No, it's absolutely crazy. And I was kind of like, I was just looking at this, these two teams. I think they're really interesting, aren't they? I think a lot of people are talking about the Patriots. A lot of people are talking about the Jets. Because you've got the other stat that everyone's talking about going into this game is Patriots are 4-0 against the Jets in the games that Zach Wilson has started. Zach Wilson has basically been dominated by Bill Belichick in the four games that he's played and featured in going up against New England. And I don't know if that's going to change this time round either, if I'm being completely honest. Although I do think this might be one of the ugliest games of the week, and that is suggested by the total at under 37 and a half. But moving oh. away from the Jets... Do you know what? Just quickly, Propo. 
do you know what was number one in presumably the second week of the 2001 season when the Patriots were last 0-2? No. Mambo number five, a cover of Mambo number five by Bob the Builder. <laughs> no way. Do you reckon Bill Belichick was listening to that after they went 0-2? Do you reckon that's what he played in the locker room? I'm looking at the I'm looking looking at the playlist from around here. The Strokes, well, your your uh, favorites, the Strokes, propo. Last night was number one. A little bit later on in the season, um, in sync with still around. Well, they just uh, made a comeback, so everything's gone full circle. He's got Fat Boy Slim have as well. My God, Brian Harvey from East Seventeen fame uh, had a number one single in uh, in two thousand and one as well. My goodness me, uh, I doubt Bel- Belichick's a Brian Harvey fan. Bob the Builder? Maybe. Maybe he was. Maybe his grandkids were, were big fans. All right. So, sorry. Back to this. So, seriously low total. Seriously low total. But I think as much as we've talked about Zach Wilson, he's got so much coverage since the Aaron Rodgers injury. I want to talk to you a bit more about Mac Jones. Because mm-hmm. in the same way that you just said about folks on quarterbacks, you're not necessarily sure on. It feels like Mac Jones gets a lot of negative press. Mm. And it feels like he gets a lot of the blame for the sort of the fall of New England since Tom Brady left. Yeah. But looking at it and looking, do you remember the season before Tom Brady went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Mm. He was, he looked almost exactly the same as Mac Jones has so far this season. And at the end of last season, he's doing throwing deep throws to receivers who seemingly can't get any separation. He mm. barely has any time because of the offensive line. Yet Tom Brady kind of gets a pass because it's Tom Brady and they kind of blame that on the offense. And it was just this, who's the issue? Is it Bill Belichick or is it Tom Brady? Whereas this is the exact same situation that Mac Jones finds himself in. The offensive line is ridiculously poor. He was under pressure so much in that game against the Dolphins. Chubb absolutely tore them apart. I have to say, Cole Strange being taken in the first round last year, everyone thought that might be a magic move by Belichick. It doesn't look good. There was one drive last week where he literally, I think he gave up like a sack, a minus two run gain and Mm. just had an absolute nightmare. And then they had to punt after getting some progress on offense. The offensive line is not good. He doesn't have any pieces on offense. All of his deep, everyone's focusing on the fact that he hasn't made any deep throws. I think he's one for 11 in uh, throws over 18 yards. Who's he throwing to? Yeah, who's he throwing to? He's throwing to Kendrick Bourne like every single time and he can't get separation, Kendrick Bourne. Juju Smith-Schuster has not had a strong start to the season. It, they're relying on rookies. And then when they had a rookie who looks like he might play well, he fumbles the ball mm. and then they bench him. And it's just like, it feels like, yes, they look, the offense looks a little bit more creative under Bill O'Brien, but not significantly. He had the mm. whole of last season with one of the most vanilla offenses we've seen in the NFL in recent years. In fact, it was just completely awful. And this season doesn't look that much better right now with the lack of talent around him, with the lack of an offensive line. I just think that Mac Jones seemingly is getting the blame for Mm. what is a really poor situation. And we always talk about situation for rookie quarterbacks. We always talk about how important that is for a quarterback coming into the league. And I think that everyone just assumes because it's Bill Belichick, because it's the Patriots and because of the dynasty that they've had, that Mac Jones is going into the perfect situation because of the style of quarterback that he is. But I think he's actually doing the best he can in a bad situation. And I don't think he's the issue at all in this team. It's a great parallel you make that that last Brady year and just how abject the offense was and just so, he was so disconnected. It was so far away from what we were so used to seeing and they've never really fixed that. And it's it's, it's an interesting point that following Brady's footsteps is the Moyes post-Ferguson. Like you, ne- you never, the majority of, 
Patriots fans and never, the whole Bailey Zappi loving was mm. just testament to that. It's like, oh, come, fair play to Bailey Zappi for grabbing his chance, but come what like, and what? guess what happens? Six months later, they cut him anyway. So yeah, it feels like they never, haven't really bought into it. Maybe the, the reach up as well in the draft, it feels like he's on a hiding to nothing there. And, and maybe it will never work out for him there. Yeah, but I think if he ended up going to a different situation, he Good might have him, some yeah. success. Yeah. yeah, and I think he will do. That being said, looking at this game from a, a betting standpoint, I've said it's going to be ugly. I think both of these offensive lines are terrible. I just think that the Jets' offense is worse. They've only converted 26% of their third downs through two weeks. That's 31st in the league. They got destroyed by Dallas last week, especially on that offensive line. And with Judon, Barmore and Uche, it doesn't get any easier for New York. They have allowed pressure on 56% of their dropbacks without the opponent blitzing which is the highest rate in the league I know they've had a tough first two weeks going up against the Bills and the Cowboys but that still doesn't look good going up against a Patriots team that will try and exploit the weaknesses of this team and the one positive for the Jets on the offense is Garrett Wilson who will be going up against rookie Christian Gonzalez now who you saw against Mm. the Dolphins he looks like the real deal he had a standout performance against Tyreek Hill in prime time looks mm-hmm. like just another top number one corner for the Patriots mm-hmm. so I think he will have a strong game against Garrett Wilson and I just think that I'm going to ride with Bill Belichick and the fact that he hasn't been 0-2 since 2001 I doubt they're going to go 0-3 it seems like the Jets have lost faith in their coaching a lot of people saying that it wasn't Zach Wilson's fault for the performance against the Cowboys it was the coaching and also without Aaron Rodgers it suddenly looks like that offense is a lot weaker they just mm-hmm. have like obviously Zach Wilson's not going to have the same relationship with Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard that Aaron Rodgers has <laughs> this offense just seems they, built for Aaron Rodgers how cold do you think they are to, to Zach in in training and in the locker room are they is it properly like i think it's the opposite i think they're like we're terrified we're going to lose our jobs unless this kid actually tries to throw to us at least a couple of times randall cobb is terrified (laughs) i think he's trying to get a job at the hospital that aaron Rodgers is getting treatment at (laughs) is it like in a high school movie when the cool kids are trying to be like overtly friendly to the geek because they want something out of him yeah 100 (laughs) percent. zach come and sit with us buddy (laughs) genuinely i think it probably is like that it must be such a bizarre situation at the jets right now and i don't think that zach wilson will be able to get over his bill belichick hoodoo in this game it's below three points i know it's in new york but bill belichick owns the jets the patriots fans don't seem happy at the minute jets fans don't seem happy at the minute it's going to be an ugly game it's going to be a defensive game and in that situation i'm going to back this patriots team i'm going to back the better quarterback in mac jones and back Patriots at minus two and a half. I love it, Propo. Really love that pick. I am all across that. I thought you might be going as the under's king of plumpton. I thought you might be going for the under as well. That's what well, I've got. I've got jaded. I'm jaded about the last yeah. week. So you know, I did the whole thing about it was twelve and four to the under week one. It was thirteen and three to the over in <laughs> yes, week two. Exactly. It was yeah, like they'd been listening to. Ed. They probably did. Yeah. All of the the, the NFL matrix. The the Borg was listening and then affected what went out purely on the just a wide job on that basis. Hey, listen, Propo, I'm gonna give my second game, then we'll do our Drew Locks, your Propo, Propets of the Week, uh, Peterman Parley as well, and of course our money line Aka uh, in just a bit. But first we're gonna take a quick break. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Fitstairs Edge Rush with me, Nat Coombs, Propo alongside me. Fitstairs, of course, well, the Propo, Prop King of Plumpton loves them because they offer more ways to bet than any other book. You had it at first. So if the prop isn't listed, if you get in touch with their, it says here, friendly broking team. I think we need to put that to the test. I think you should add, try to antagonize the broking team on live chat on Fitstairs with with loads and loads of prop bets and just see if they remain friendly to you propo. They find out your propo, they might they might change their tune. But I, I, I can assure you they're a friendly crew. Uh, on live chat, so ask for the price there. Remember, 21 plus, be gambleaware.org. Love and working with the Fitstairs crew. Uh, right, my second game, propo. I'm going to go to... Tennessee Cleveland, which I know is a game you've had your eye on as well. And we might hear about it again in just a little bit uh, because we talked already about Vrabel and how much we love Vrabel. Do you want to know what Vrabel's record as head coach against the spread is when the Titans are underdogs? They're going into this as three point dogs against Cleveland. It's going to be something ridiculous. It's him and Tomlin together combined us like hitting over seventy percent or something. Tomlin must be around sixty-five to seventy percent. No, I oh, sorry, yeah. um, Vrabel. Yeah, yeah. so you might him not almost. I'm trying to do my math quickly on the fly here because there's a tie game in the mix. The tie game, of course, that tie game. Yeah, twenty-two, fifteen, and one. Yeah, pretty solid, right? Yeah, that's very uh, solid. Vrabel, the Titans perennially underestimated, underwritten. It pays to ignore that and roll against it historically anyway right now in the present day in this moment this game i'm not falling for nick chubb that's absolute curtains there is a risk of a bounce back game for the browns adversity i understand that and certainly they've signed kareem hunt as well kareem hunt in the mix and jerome ford over 100 yards stepped up so fair play as Phoebes and I talked about on the week three preview show, Deshaun Watson is all over the shot. The ground game is going to be depleted because diminished in impact because there's no chub. And I just don't understand how this Titans team is being underrated to this degree in this spot. Henry, again, all this hype. Oh, he hasn't had hundred yards yet this season. Oh, the wheels are falling off. Henry will hit his group, even against a tough Browns offense, uh, defense. Of course, I understand that. But we saw a much more composed Tannehill week on week. Tannehill has always been about the play action, hitting some deep threats. Tannehill was using his legs in week two, which is an underestimated part of his game as well. I feel that their offense is starting to find a little bit more rhythm week on week. The Browns will definitely feel that they are in a far less likely spot to even vaguely contend for a playoff spot than they were a week ago. It's a short week for them. Watson doesn't know if he's coming or going. Three points? Favourites in this spot? I'm not buying it at all. I really, really like the Titans and their ominous defensive front 
in this spot. I like Tennessee plus three. Yeah, I do understand it. It's just such an easy thing to do is take Vrabel in these situations as an underdog. This is when he really relishes the moment and he seems to always be able to get the best out of his team. That was perfectly epitomized by the way they played against the Chargers. Their secondary was torched, as it always is. Herbert yeah. completely destroyed them, but they always find a way to win a game. They always find a way to stay in a game. And if you're getting three points for the Titans, that's always a safe position to be, especially going up against an offense that looks as poor as this Cleveland Browns one does, especially after they've lost Nick Chubb. Deshaun Watson on Monday night was just absolutely awful. Don't really know what he was doing. Yes, I understand that the Steelers' defense is exceptional. At the same time, I still think you need to be able to make the easy reads and make the easy completions. And I think that Vrabel is perfectly equipped to try and cause them as many issues as the Steelers did on Monday night. I do understand that. My only fear for the game is the Tennessee Titans offensive line and how poor that is. Mm. And Obviously, this defensive line of the Browns is potentially the best, if not one of the best in the league. And I think they'll be able to cause him problems. So I would be leaning towards the under in this game, if I'm being completely mm. honest, as always. Under 40, I think you've got two really strong defensive lines going up against two sort of average, to be fair, for the Browns and then abject defensive line for the Tennessee Titans. So I'd be leaning towards that, but I'm never going to say no to Vrabel as a dog. Uh, to, for mine, that I was leaning towards the Falcons lines over. I was like potentially going to go with the Patriots. I kind of split these three picks down the middle, but I think I am going to go back. One of my winning bets last week was one of my best bets was the Saints Panthers under. And mm. I just think that the numbers surrounding the New Orleans Saints at the moment are too high. I don't think people realize how much this team is sort of weighted towards the defense and the focus on the defense that they have. The amount of points they've let in this so far this season, 17 and 15 against the Titans and the Panthers. And that translates all the way back to last season as well. The So the last games of last season you had, they let 10 points to the Panthers, 10 points to the Eagles, 10 points to the Browns, 18 points to the Falcons, 17 points to the Bucks, 13 points to the 49ers. I mean, they barely ever let more than 20 points. This team with the coaching that they have is very much defense dominated. And I think they're going up against Jordan Love. And this offense is very, very inexperienced. And this is the first time they're going up against a defense with the likes of players and Marshall Lattimore, who's proven himself to be potentially the top corner in the league so far this season. Going up against Marshall Lattimore, going up against Cam Jordan. They will cause Jordan Love problems. They will cause the rookies and the second years in this offense problems throughout this game. And I think this game will be tight. I think it'll be cagey, especially on the other side, as I don't think Derek Carr was very impressive against uh, the Panthers on Monday night football either. And I think that he's still struggling to really find this offense. And I think we saw that last year with the Saints. They weren't able to put up points. I think the Saints, in the same way that I think the Lions are an over team, the Vikings are an over team. I think the Saints are an under team. And every time I see the number above 40, I'm always tempted to back an under with the Saints. And I'm getting it at 43 against the Packers in Lambeau Field. I think it's going to be a close, cagey game. So I'm going under 43 for my Drew Lock of the Week. Love that. Of course you are. The Anders King of Plumpton. Well, I'm going to go back to the well of my first game. I'm going to go for the over 44 in Texas Jags as my Drew Locke of the week. Over 44. Last minute change. Jacksonville. Well, it's all the fence between the two. I was on the. I said that earlier on the show. Pay you, you're doing a Carlson now, paying no attention to me. No, no, no. I, I thought you just said that. I thought you said the Titans were your Drew Locke. I said I wasn't sure about I said they're on my I had two for the Drew Lock and I wasn't sure. What do you mean when we were talking? You know what's perfect shows? about this? Tell me. They're gonna it's gonna come. It's gonna in go, now. it's gonna be like it's gonna there's <laughs> gonna be forty four points in oh, Texas Jags. God. Yeah. And the Titans are gonna win by twenty. 
100% that's going to happen now. Well, listeners, you know what to do. Hey, hang on a minute, Propo. I'm 500 on my Drew Locks of the Week and uh, this season so far, which is better than you. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, no, well, that's why I'm convinced the Pats will cover. It'll go over in Falcons-Lions and then it'll probably be, what, 35-33 in a Jordan Love Derek Carr shootout in in Lambeau Field. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, all right, so let's go next. Your prop bets the week. You're on fire this season. You're seven and one. What have you got this week for us? Yeah, so I've been doing really well with the receiving numbers, but I've decided to change it up a little bit this week. Fitzdares, you can get any anytime touchdown scorers. They give really good prices on that. So I thought I would lean towards our brilliant sponsors and follow them this week. And my first one is AJ Brown to score a touchdown against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People are focusing on Devontae Smith because he has the long completions and two touchdowns. But AJ Brown is still the number one target in this team with a 30% share. He had a touchdown called back against the Vikings and is going up against a Bucks team that, yes, is 2 0 and had two great days on defense, but they haven't come up against an offensive line and offensive weapons like Philly have. And I like AJ Brown to exploit this secondary on Monday night football. My next one is going to the Kansas City Chiefs, a player who I think has gone under the radar. I thought he had a really good performance against the Jags and that's Isaiah Pacheco to score a touchdown, carried the ball 12 times for 70 yards against Jacksonville. Only two targets, not ideal receiving numbers, but all other Kansas City Chiefs running backs combined for only two carries and his snap rate is at 51% and the amount of routes run were encouraging. So going up against a Bears team. Let, let's, let's not just talk about the Bears. Bad Isaac's called them the worst team in football. He's a oh, Bear, lifelong are, Bears fan. They are horrendous now. They are absolutely horrendous. And uh, yeah, going against this Bears team that's already allowed three touchdowns to running backs in the first two weeks. I love Pacheco to get in the end zone in this one. And the, um, the last one is similar to the AJ Brown one. I'm going Mike Williams to score a touchdown. The Chargers passing game against the Dolphins and the Titans being absolutely exceptional. Last week, Williams got eight catches for 83 yards, but Keenan Allen got the two touchdowns despite Williams seeing the most targets with 13. He's going up against that. I always find a way to bring them in every week. That Viking secondary is not good. It's not good. <laughs> and they have conceded several deep shots in the opening games. I love Williams to grab a score in this game. So it's Pacheco to score a touchdown, Williams to score a touchdown, and AJ Brown to score a touchdown. And you'll find those all on Fitzdares. Love it. Loving your work, proper. All right, then. Two more for the road. Hey, there's five pounds in our charity box. Um, let's do our Peterman Parley first, and then we'll end on our money line treble. So Peterman Parley. We are going to take, well, the Titans plus three. They're going into the Peterman Parley. Yeah, because yeah. they were my close but no cigar Drew Locke. The, that was my addition to the Peterman Parley. You've gone for the Panthers plus six and the Broncos plus six and a half. Yeah, it's, you know Nate Pittman, Matt, and Matt, 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 chat, <laughs> how, many, Matt. how many years? Chat, just call me, just call me chat. <laughs> yeah, chat, yeah, chat, 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 yeah. Chat. <laughs> Nat GPT. Nat GPT. Nate Pittman, it was never pretty. His, uh, are we going to see Nate Peterman actually? Because he is the Bears number two. How long is it going to be before we see Nate Peterman? I, I really want to see Nate Peterman in a game this season. Yeah, I want to I... see Nate Peterman go off like just one game in his career. Like he comes in Monday night football, Fields goes down early. He comes in and everyone, like Twitter explodes into a fit of derision. Oh, this is going to be how is he going to throw 10 interceptions? This and he just has this one magical night where he just 515 yards, the, a great night. And then you never see him again. Like he feels his fit. Peterman goes back to the bench and you never see him again. Like the Mike White kind of factor. The that Mike kind of vibe. White factor. Exactly. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Um, But yeah, Nate Peterman, I think as much as we would all love to see that, I think we can safely say that his career so far has been relatively ugly Um, as a quarterback in terms of the output. 
So I'm going to go with two ugly picks for this one. Uh, Panthers plus six. It's not going to be pretty. I don't think what we've seen from the Panthers and their, especially their offense so far has been that impressive. And yes, the Seahawks had an impressive win against the Lions, but I am expecting that offensive line to regress back to its talent level going up against a Panthers D that's impressed in both weeks. Yes, it's a rookie quarterback going into Seattle, but he's played two de- defenses much stronger than this one. And I think he's had some level of efficiency against both. He's that kind of, he's exactly what you've been talking about now, where I've seen enough from young to be like, do you know what? I think he can be a quarterback in this league, but obviously yeah. there's still a lot left to be decided. And still a lot of tape to still see but at the same time. I've seen enough for him to be able to believe that. I think he'll be able to keep this game close. I don't think Seattle are good enough to be laying six in this spot. And then the Broncos, I, I don't even want to watch this game. I'm not going to pay any attention to it, but just from my own theory my own model my own approach to the nfl i just think that you have to take the broncos at plus six and a half i would have loved it at seven but sadly i think all the pros came in and bet on that one this is a classic pro joe's game you're gonna have all the joes backing miami all of the pros are gonna be taking broncos because you have to buy low sell high here two is favorite for mvp dolphin super bowl odds have shortened massively they've scraped past the Chargers team that literally beats itself and they could have lost to a pats team which it seems to just give teams 17 point head starts mcdaniel is everybody's favorite right now but sean Payton is no mug. By no way do I expect the Broncos to win this game, but I like them to at least be able to keep it close with some decent matchups, including Sertain versus Hill. So it's not going to be pretty. Panthers plus six is not going to be pretty. Broncos plus six and a half is not going to be pretty. But I think it's just, it's the Nate Peterman parlay. So we're just going to go ugly. I love it. I love it. Uh, you can get involved with that over on Fitstairs. And it perfectly segues into our Moneyline treble of the week, which is how we're going to wrap things up on week three, Edge Rush, Fitstairs, Edge Rush. So, I'm glad you think the Broncos will cover, but Miami will win. Oh, how you phrased it. I'm not for a second saying the Broncos are going to win because we have Miami as the first of our three teams in our money line travel. So they might not cover, but straight up, we like the Dolphins to keep things rolling. That two MVP keeps on rolling. This could Next be an unbelievable. Up- now, if this, if this, we pull this off a Fitzdez air rush where it's like the Dolphins win by three and we win both, that would be. Uh, remarkable we're, we're getting cocky we're getting well not cocky but we're just being ambitious we're being onside kick sean payton yeah uh we're being pete carroll going for it on fourth down inside his own half i think for the first time in his career i read somewhere <laughs> so if you want to know how the nfl is changing uh pete carroll going for it in his own territory i love it that's why pete carroll's going to be coaching till he's 87 years old um miami is the first of our three we're going to go the jags in that houston uh, Jacksonville game that I picked as my uh, Drew Lock of the Week at the over. We like Jacksonville there in a in a bit of a shootout. And then we've gone for the Ravens to complete the trifecta. Baltimore, who looking looking dangerous, aren't they, Propo? Like the look. I know it pains I you thought Lamar, that. I know, I thought Lamar was exceptional against the Bengals last week. I was really impressed. Really impressed. Zay Flowers as well. I think mm-hmm. BJ Robinson's getting all of the credit right now, but Zay Flowers took one of the best catches I've seen by a rookie probably in the last five or so years. Mm. And whenever they need a big play, they seem to go to Flowers. And the fact they've still got Bateman, they've still got Andrews and they've got Odell Beckham Jr. This offense looks impressive. And obviously their defense is always going to be solid when they've got Harbaugh. Anthony Richardson in concussion protocols. So we don't know. Minshew look Minshew mania-esque when he came in, but uh, yeah, is uh, Ravens all the way. So Baltimore, Miami, Jacksonville, our three team money line treble. And that is all she wrote for this week's Fitzdares Edge Rush Propos. It just leaves me to say many thanks as ever, my friend. Fine work bringing you deep dives. Get on those Propos Propets 
of the week, gang, because uh, he is on a roll right now. I'm certainly going to be taking some of that action. If you're going to take any action that we've suggested or uh, you're running to the beat of your own drum, just do it in moderation. Have fun, but just careful. Gamble responsibly. You know the drill by now. Uh, 21 plus. Be gambleaware.org. Worth checking out. Propo, enjoy the weekend's action, my friend. I'll see you. Same time, same place next week. Same time, same place. Sports Social Podcast Network.